Hello to everyone. I'm thankful for another opportunity to get to study the Word of God. Another another opportunity the Lord's given us to try to look in and learn out of His Word. We're certainly thankful that the Lord loved us and gave Himself for us when we were His enemies. We despised Him. We despised His Word. We were in absolute rebellion against Him. And it's, it's worse than I didn't want to come to Him. I didn't want, uh, I wanted to run away from Him and to get as far from the gospel and honest, as far into wickedness as I could get. But the Lord came to my heart one day and in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, God changed my mind from wanting to run from Him and run to sin to wanting to run to Him for refuge. And I owe God all things because He came, convinced, and delivered me from the deception that I'd lived in my whole life. And had God not came, I would still live there today. I would have chosen by my will and by my desire. I would have chosen to remain in sin, running from Him and from the truth, and I would have died and went to hell. But thank God that He, through the gospel and by the Spirit, changed my mind, changed the course of my life, saved my soul, and my how that He's blessed us so greatly and we could say undeservedly and that would not do justice. My God, we deserved to die and go to hell at a very, very young age because we willfully turned from the commandment of God and willfully turned into sin. But what mercy and what love and we love Him today because He first loved us. And if He hadn't shown us love, we'd have never shown Him any love whatsoever. So we're certainly thankful unto God for His wondrous plan of salvation and the great redemption that He delivered to us by His power for the convincing power of the Spirit that convinced us of sin, of judgment, and of His salvation in Christ Jesus. We're thankful for the faith that He delivered us to believe it. That was not of ourselves. It was the gift of God. And as Jonah and the psalmist said, salvation is of the Lord. God delivered us from darkness by His wondrous power. And we're certainly thankful to be a part of the church, a part of the family of God. And we'd like to help you as God would help us. That's our desire. We certainly didn't uh, start this for us to be renowned or for our name to go out. Uh, I believe we, we believe in the wrong doctrine to be liked and favored of men, even in our own circle. But my desire, and I would like for you to know, my desire is to do my very best to rightly divide the Word of God, represent it as it's written, not by tradition, not by what my pastor thinks, my ex-pastor thinks, 
not by what the Southern Baptists believe. And I'm not saying that they all believe the wrong thing. But what matters is what the Bible says. And my desire is to try for God to reveal to me His Word and for me to try to help you to understand. God, Jesus, told Peter, He said, Peter, when you're strengthened, when you're helped, when you're delivered, strengthen thy brethren. We'd like to be a strength to you, certainly. And we desire your prayers for us that we could do so. We're very weak in the flesh. We're weak-minded. We're, we're carnal in the flesh. And certainly our carnal mind is enmity against God. We need God's grace that we could stand in this world. That we could continue in the journey honoring and glorifying Him. To thank that I would have chose God without His power. When today, as a saved child of God, adopted into the family by His abundant grace, in my flesh I'd still choose to go the wrong way. It's His power, Peter says. You're kept by the power of God, and we certainly believe that, and we need more and more power. As Paul writes over and over in his letters, grace and peace be multiplied. May God's grace be multiplied unto us and to each of you as we live in the midst of a dark and wicked world and we live in a dark and wicked flesh and carnal mind. So we've been studying these feasts of the Old Testament and we've come to the last one. If you remember, we've looked at this last group of three, beginning with a feast of the trumpets, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ that's sounding out in the last days. And that gospel is warning of a judgment to come and of the guilt of sin, of the broken covenant of the law, and that we're all transgressors of the word of God. And it's pointing us to the atonement of the Lord Jesus Christ. We looked at the Day of Atonement, and maybe we'll we'll say the days. The seventh month, the first day of the month, was the Feast of Trumpets. The seventh month, the tenth day, was the uh, Day of Atonement. And certainly, without question, the New Testament tells us that Christ was our atonement certainly pointing to the work of Christ Jesus in a perfect life and in death and resurrection. The Lord Jesus secured for mankind atonement through His blood and by the great work of God. The church, the called out, the born again, have atonement today through the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. And finally we come to the third and final feast of this second group, the Feast of Tabernacles. And we will read in Leviticus chapter 23, beginning in verse 33. And there's a lot of reading to be done here. And we could read, and I I guess we'd better read from verse 33 to the end of the chapter. And then we'll talk about what's going on and by the Lord's help, some spiritual pictures that's to be revealed in that. So Leviticus 23, verse 33. 
And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, The fifteenth day of the seventh month shall be the feast of tabernacles for seven days unto the Lord. On the first day shall be an holy convocation. Ye shall do no servile work therein. Seven days ye shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. On the eighth day shall be an holy convocation unto you, and ye shall offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord. It is a solemn assembly, and ye shall do no servile work therein. These are the feasts of the Lord which ye shall proclaim to be holy convocations, to offer an offering made by fire unto the Lord, a burnt offering, and a meat offering, a sacrifice, and drink offerings, everything upon his day, beside the Sabbaths of the Lord, beside your gifts, and beside all your vows, and beside your free will offerings, which ye give unto the Lord. Also in the fifteenth day of the seventh month, when ye have gathered in the fruit of the land, ye shall keep a feast unto the Lord seven days. On the first day shall be a Sabbath, and on the eighth day shall be a Sabbath. And ye shall take to you on the first day the boughs of goodly trees, branches of palm trees, and the boughs of thick trees, and willows of the brook. And ye shall rejoice before the Lord your God seven days. Ye shall keep it a feast unto the Lord seven days in the year. It shall be a statute forever in your generations. Ye shall celebrate it in the seventh month. Ye shall dwell in booths seven days. All that are Israelites born shall dwell in booths. That your generations may know that I made the children of Israel to dwell in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. And Moses declared unto the children of Israel the feasts of the Lord. So here, the last of these feasts, the Feast of the Tabernacles. So the tenth day of the seventh month was the Day of Atonement. The Feast of Tabernacles begins the fifteenth day of the seventh month, five days after that atonement. This feast lasted seven days, and on the first and the last day they were holy convocations. Those days, those high Sabbaths, those days that no servile work was to be done, uh, again, as we've seen in previous feasts, that none of this redemption, none of this justification brought about by God hinges upon the works of man. This is all from beginning to end the work and the product of Almighty God by His power. He don't need me to work to be justified. He justified the church in Jesus Christ. So the first and the last day were holy convocations. And what they did for these seven days was they took boughs of trees, and as we read, goodly trees, palm branches, thick trees, and willows, to make booths or tents to dwell in. And they dwelled in these booths or these tents for seven days. And this was, as God says, that you might remember that I brought them out of Egypt and I caused them to dwell in booths in the wilderness. This was the working of God. God brought this to pass. And Lord, help us to always know 
that God brings about all things according to the good pleasure of His will. God sees fit. God orders. God, as the Word tells me, declared the end from the beginning, as He did here. But also, with this feast, in Numbers 29, verses 12 through 38, and we're not going to turn there and read, but they were to make sacrifices each day unto the Lord of this feast. And if if you turn there and read, and I'm not going to just because it's it's repetitious and, and uh, cumbersome to read through, but you can turn there and read, and you can add it up yourself and see whether my math is correct or not. But during these seven days, there was a total of 71 bullocks, 15 rams, 105 lambs, eight goats, and 34.8 deals of fine flour with oil that was offered to God during this feast. And he says here, beside your vows, your gifts, your free will offerings. So that wasn't in replace of the typical offerings. They were to offer those as well. But this feast called for really what a great price that this was all of these sacrifices that was to be offered. And God lays it out in numbers. On the first day, they were to offer. On the second day, and what I gave you was the total of the seven days. So a a great cost that was associated with the people in order to celebrate, in order to remember this feast that God had given him. And you know, I believe we've got a a few pictures that we can gather out of this feast. First, we look at Christ, and Christ tabernacled, as John says in uh, chapter 1, verse 14, the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So that word dwelt, if you look that up in a Strong's Concordance, you'll see it means to tent or to camp. So it's the same word here as tabernacle, tent, camp. He was uh, in flesh and he tabernacled among us. The Lord Jesus came down and he put on a flesh like unto ours, like unto the seed of Abraham. And he lived, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 2, Hebrews 2 and verse 9, But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man, For it became him, for whom are all things, and by whom are all things, in bringing many sons unto glory, to make the captain of their salvation perfect through sufferings. For both he that sanctifieth, and they who are sanctified are all of one, for which cause he is not ashamed to call them brethren. So the Lord Jesus was made 
lower than the angels. The, the very word of God, the power that brought the world from void and nothing and darkness and brought that to life, the very king of glory, the one in authority, the one with power, uh, he was made lower than the angels and he was made subject and not just subject unto the Father, and certainly he was subject to the Father, but he became subject to a uh, an earthly mom and dad on this world. He became subject to the government. He became subject unto the Jews. He became subject unto Pilate. He didn't rebel. He didn't insurrect. But he was made lower than the angels and he was put down to the place of a suffering servant for the suffering of death that he might taste death for every man that he might be offered and sacrificed for the sin of man that there could be a way made for man to escape eternal destruction. God brought that to pass. In, uh, on down in verse 14, same chapter, Hebrews 2, For as much then as children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. So back up in 10, it became him to make perfect through sufferings, the captain of their salvation made perfect through sufferings. In verse 14, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death. So he was made like unto man, and he lived a natural life, and in his life, he defeated the devil. Remember that sin, death, the sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. So Jesus, in living a perfect life without sin, he defeated the devil. He defeated sin. He overcame that, and death could not hold him because he had no sin that would make him to be guilty. So he had to become, like you and I, to defeat the devil and to defeat sin that you and I could have imputed righteousness that he had accomplished through his natural life. And he had to suffer and die. He had to be obedient even unto death, the death of the cross, so that our payment that we owed could be paid for. So the Lord Jesus, what a perfect work that he accomplished in his life in this world as he tabernacled among us. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 4, For it was not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. These offerings in the Old Testament did not take away sins. Wherefore, so seeing this, God knowing that these offerings were not taken away sin. God knew that from the beginning. He only gave those as a type and shadow of what he was going to accomplish in perfection through his son Jesus. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body thou hast prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come. In the volume of the book it is written of me, 
to do thy will, O God. So the Lord Jesus came in man, as man, in the likeness of sinful flesh. He wasn't exactly like you and I because he was perfect and he was the God-man, but he had a flesh just like you and I, and he overcame sin, and he overcame the devil, and he overcame temptation, he overcame the world, he overcame the peer pressure, he overcame uh, the hatred of man, he overcame a, a desire for vengeance, he overcame all of those things, submitted himself to death, that he might please God, with a sacrifice of his body. So our salvation hinges upon that the Lord Jesus tabernacled among us. And certainly he did. But I believe we've got, I believe a closer picture to the meaning of this feast, the Feast of Tabernacles. Seeing that the gospel has went out the first day and atonement has been made the tenth day. So for the church, and it's always in this order, those that are saved, they hear the gospel and God through the Spirit convinces them through the gospel that they're lost and in need of atonement and leads them to Christ Jesus. And once they come to the Lord Jesus and are secure, saved, and born again, then there's a realization there that we are, as he says here in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 9, By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Skip down to verse 13. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to return. So here we see that in the Old Testament even, in Abraham and in Isaac and in Jacob, they dwelt in tabernacles and they confessed that they were only strangers and pilgrims on this earth. That what they had here was temporary and in the grand scheme of things, it wasn't worth very much, but they realized that there was yet to come a victory for them. They didn't receive the natural promise on the earth. They died in faith, not having received them, but they received at the end of their life, after this pilgrimage on this life was over, they left their tabernacles and they went to a city that God Almighty himself had constructed on over in this same chapter of Hebrews 11, verse 24. By faith Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect under the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, 
not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. So we've got Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Moses, just a few examples right here of people that realize that this world and that this life was temporary, and there was a recompense of reward at the end of the way, that Moses was willing to forsake the riches of Egypt and go away from Pharaoh's house and refuse to be called a prince of Egypt that he might suffer affliction in this world that he might dwell in tents in this world he left the king's house to dwell in a tent in doing so he declared plainly that he was a stranger here but he had a city to come that God had constructed and built and had a place for him. So the church of the living God today, we're saved by the grace of God. We are today justified. I'm not waiting to be justified at the end, but in Christ Jesus we have already received atonement. We are justified, and we're as saved and born again right now as we'll ever be if you are saved. And what we have here is temporary. I guess some very familiar scripture and probably some of the most looked at scripture at funerals in our world today. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, let's back up to verse 17 of chapter 4. Let's start there. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us, a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So here, Paul and Corinthians saying the same thing that Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Moses was saying, this life's temporary. And they traded a life of wealth, a life of blessing, a life uh, Moses could have been the prince. They traded that life for a life of affliction in this world, but they saw at the end of the way that they had a home in heaven. They realized that this world was just temporary and quickly running out. They were just tabernacled here. They were in a booth here for just a little while, but that Booth, that tent was going to fade away and decay and there was a reward at the end of this life. Now that's the way the church is. In chapter 5, For we know that if our earthly house of this tabernacle were dissolved, we have a building of God and house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. So exactly what we've been reading, Paul says we know this, that if this earthly tabernacle, if this old earthly tent, what's he talking about? He's talking about our body where our soul is housed right now. This earthly body is just a tent that is quickly decaying and passing away, but the church, the born again, the whole world don't have this hope. Only those that are born again and in Christ Jesus have this hope. And so, those that are saved and born again, they know that if the earthly house is dissolved, if it goes away, if it perishes, 
We have a building of God, not a tent, but an architecture, that that God designed and constructed. Notice how all of this ties together. Abraham was looking for a city whose builder and maker was God. The church in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 is looking for a building of God. After this temporary life is over, they recognize that though they may suffer affliction and hardship for the life that they have in this world in Christ Jesus, they recognize and realize that it's temporary and that in just a few days this life will be over and they have an eternal home in glory with God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. A building that God's constructed without hands that's eternal. A tent is not an eternal. It's not even a long-term dwelling place. But God, we're going to get rid of the tent And God has constructed us a house made without hands. And I'm not talking about a mansion in glory. He's talking about bodies now. And let's go ahead and get that. He's not saying if my house that me and my family dwell in is dissolved, he's going to give me a mansion up in glory. He's talking about my earthly tent that my soul dwells in, my earthly body, when this earthly, fleshly body is dissolved, God's prepared me a body, and John says it like this, we don't know what we shall be, but we know we'll be like him. He's provided us a body that's eternal, that will not decay, that will not decease, that will not go away, that our soul can dwell in and dwell with God forever and ever. Too much carnality today looking for a mansion down by the river in heaven. He's talking about an eternal body that we might glorify God in. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed upon with our house, which is from heaven, if so be that being clothed, we shall not be found naked. Now Paul's got a hope, and he knows that if he dies, if his body dissolves, if his body goes away, that he's not going to be naked, his soul is not going to be without a place to dwell, because God, through Jesus Christ, has provided a body for him, that his soul might dwell in eternally. Not flesh and blood, not a body as carnal as we would see, but a body likened unto the Son of God's that's eternal. So this groaning, though we may not, and, and I say for me, I'm not desiring to die right now. I've got family, a wife, children, I desire to be with them, to help them to grow, to be the best benefit that I could be to them. But the inward man, when the power of God passes by, the inward man would desire to be with the Lord Jesus, to go on to glory and to be with the one that gave life unto it. And so this tabernacle 
is temporary, and it'll soon be over. In Timothy, 2 Timothy, chapter 4, verse 5, Watch thou in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them that love his appearing. That even in death, because the church is born again and has received eternal life, has hope of life, beyond this life, even in death. Here's Paul, he's looking at the next few days and he sees death right there in front of him. They're going to take his head off and his life is going to be ended. But he's not in complete despair here, but he says, I'm ready to be offered. I've fought a good fight. There's laid up for me a crown of righteousness. Paul realized that the temporary part was soon to be over, but he had a home in heaven with God the Father, the Son, and the Spirit that would be eternal. An eternal dwelling place for the soul of man that has been prepared and constructed, the architect of which is God himself, made without hands. In 1 Peter, we'll look at one more place and, and we'll stop. 1 Peter, chapter number 4. For as much then, as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that hath suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lusts of men, but to the will of God. For the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lasciviousness, lusts, excess of wine, revelings, banquetings, and abominable idolatries. Wherein they think it strange that you run not with them to the same excess of right, speaking evil of you, who shall give account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead. So just what we've read so far. Here is Peter preparing the church to have a mind ready to suffer. And you know, we, we today in the United States, up to this point in my life, We've got no idea the suffering that's been endured for the cause of the gospel and the word of the Lord Jesus Christ. There's been many that suffered greatly, and we just can't understand that because we've, we've never experienced anything like it. But Peter says, arm yourself and be ready. The tribulation, the trials are going to come. But know this that we only have a short time left that we're going to suffer, 
and there's an eternal home. Now the world's looking at us. They're enjoying the sins of this world. Some of them he's listed here. Those Gentiles are taking in sin, and they speak evil of us because we're not taking part. Well, you've only got a short time. You might as well live it up and spend it while you've got it. But the church, the church can't live in that manner like the world lives, because they recognize that they're strangers and pilgrims, and they've got a home eternal in the heaven, and that they shall give account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead. For this cause was the gospel preached also to them that are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the Spirit. But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. Certainly that was true in Peter's day. That's true for us today. The end of all things is at hand and it it could be at this moment. It could be before I'm recording this on a Monday to come out on Wednesday morning. It could be before that this has an opportunity for you to hear that it's the end. And then again, it could be the end for me or for you before then. So realizing that, that there's a judgment that's to come, the church recognizes that we're just tabernacled here for a short while, that God has delivered us. We've been delivered out of Egypt, and God's allowing us to live in the flesh for a short while, that we might be a witness, a light, and an example to those tabernacled around us of the work that the Lord Jesus done, that they might receive that same salvation, that we might be a light of the gospel of the Son of God. And the church is willing to endure. They're willing to give up. They're willing to lay down sin because they realize that it's temporary and eternity and an eternal reward awaits them in heaven. So I feel like, again, that was a pitiful job as well. Much more could be seen. Much more could be mentioned out of that scripture and out of that feast. And you talk about all of the sacrifices that they offered. It cost a great deal for God to tabernacle among us. And certainly He's tabernacled among us today through the person of the Spirit. The Father and the Son has made His abode with a church. And He dwells with us in this world and in this life and in our bodies. God is tabernacled with us through and by the presence of the Spirit. And the church recognizes that the end of all things is at hand and we have an eternal reward in glory through the work of our Lord Jesus Christ. So may the Lord help us, help us to walk as strangers and pilgrims in this world, recognizing the work of God in our heart. I hope that this study of these feasts, I hope you've seen some things that you've not seen before. Hope that God could help you be established, help you grow in the truth of God, we certainly desire the Lord's help that we could be a help to the church. I I do not desire to feed anybody wrong doctrine. Not our desire in the least bit. 
I'd like to help you grow in the truth. That's our prayer. That's our desire. May God help us to always do that, to always rightly divide His Word. I'm a man. I'm fallible. I'm weak. I'm beggarly. I'm sinful by my carnal nature. It's by the grace of God that we can overcome and accomplish anything. And do pray for us that the Lord would help us to always understand the Word as He meant it to be and for us to be a help and benefit to those that would hear. I hope you have wonderful services tonight if you're listening to this on a Wednesday. Hope the Lord's blessed your week greatly. And I hope he blesses the remainder of it. We love you.